Hello, and thank you for listening to the MicroBinFi podcast. Here, we will be discussing topics in microbial bioinformatics. We hope that we can give you some insights, tips, and tricks along the way. There is so much information we all know from working in the field, but nobody writes it down. There is no manual, and it's assumed you'll pick it up. We hope to fill in a few of these gaps. My co-hosts are Dr. Nabil Ali Khan and Dr. Andrew Page. I am Dr. Lee Katz. Both Andrew and Nabil work in the Quadrum Institute in Norwich, UK, where they work on microbes in food and the impact on human health. I work at Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and am an adjunct member at the University of Georgia in the US. Hello, and welcome to the MicroBinFi podcast. Today, we are here in the same room for the second time ever for the podcast, Andrew and Abiel and myself. We want to go over a few things for fun because this is the 100th episode. Yay! Yay. <laughs> uh, we were thinking about just kind of recapping where we started, where we come from really quick, and and then maybe look into the future, maybe do some predictions. Do you want to do some predictions? Sure, yep. why not? Sure. Let's <laughs> let's be dangerous. So Nabil and I have uh, flown especially to Atlanta just for this episode to be in Lee's basement and, and to do a few other things. But, you know, it, it's just for this episode. So you're it's a, a nice honor to be here. Thank you, Lee. Yeah, thank you for, for having us. Thanks for coming. It's really it's an honor to me to be able to show you the basement and kind of put this microphone here on a chair in the middle of us. Don't give away all the, the <laughs> secrets of the podcast, you know, there has to be some mystery there. Like we didn't know that you had a beautiful window and lovely view, you know, out, out, uh, on the other side of the microphone. So where did we start this whole thing? Why did we do this? And and I know that we've done this before in a previous episode, so let's just kind of be brief about it, I guess. So I guess we had a seminar series on YouTube and we we're getting inviting speakers to come and give slides for a small little lab group like it was a virtual lab group internationally and then that that was quite difficult to organize whatever and then i think we just decided hey or you decided hey why don't you try this podcasting thing you know and uh that was a bit easier to organize because it's just amongst the three of us and we knew what we're doing we could arrange times between ourselves and you know just have a bit of fun yeah i think for me the it's what you say in the intro. Every episode you say the same thing and, and, and that's it. That's the origin story. It's just the fact that the field changes really quickly and there's a lot of things that just go unsaid. And so the fastest way we could come up with to capture it and get it out there for people to, to learn from was a, some sort of podcast format. And I think we tried, thought about different ways of doing it. I wanted to do like a zine <laughs> which yeah. was like yeah okay that's great but none of us can actually draw so what are we going to put in a in a zine oh um, you wanted to draw for it too. well that's what a zine usually is right if you have not a magazine a zine i'll, I'll show you what one of them looks like later <laughs> if i understood you would we be in a different place then <laughs> We, you <laughs> might have we might have been in a different place because well, i can't draw so that rules me actually <laughs> Yeah, so so that was that was the motivation for me, where we got started from, capturing all the the quiet conversations that just don't get put into papers. Yeah, I think we went through a few different formats. Like, should we do a blog, like a a GitHub site? I think one of the first suggestions was podcast, but um, I think that you guys basically convinced me and turned me around to it. So podcast has been a great format. Yeah. And then we recorded a load of episodes before we even started. And in fact, we recorded our very first one and it was just like a throwaway. We were like, will we even release this to the world or will we just chuck it, you know, after we've listened to it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that we said a few provocative things and uh, originally you want to just, just be in the sound booth. And uh, after a few provocative things, I think that we just got you out right away. And you're like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm going to be talking. I have an opinion there. Yeah. <laughs> so that was back in uh, 2019. I think it, I think it was September 2019. That's and... when we launched, yeah. But I think we did loads for it a few months before that. Oh, okay, okay. We had about yeah. ten, but ready to go before we we launched. You're right about that. Uh, so we we queued up a bunch of them, and um, I would I would say 
relatively quickly, we came upon 2020 and our collective focus turned over to SARS-CoV-2 and the podcast changed. Well, initially, for the first while, I was resistant to doing any SARS-CoV-2 on the, uh, the podcast because, you know, we're doing it every day, all day. Myself and Nabil were redeployed onto that and it was just insanity at that point. You know, very long hours, very long everything, uh, you know, as everything was just scaling up. And but then eventually I think I, I gave in. Well, the problem was, was that we wanted to keep doing the podcast and it's like, you didn't have we didn't have anything else to talk about is it's like well in terms of the field like that's all we've been doing uh and so and that's a tip for people who want to start their own creative outlet it's really hard to write something produce something when it's something outside of your regular day-to-day because yeah. you have to then go special specially research and prepare it and so, yeah, we got stuck doing a lot of COVID uh, episodes. We did at least 20, didn't we? Yeah, I yeah. There's a whole bunch of them, enough to make a playlist, like, probably. <laughs> I think there is a playlist on, on the SoundCloud of, of all the COVID episodes. And then we had all the interviews and all the normal kind of stuff in, intermingled as well, you know. So we didn't uh, did just do viruses, you know. We did give a little bit to the bacteria people as well. True. So... After a while, that cooled down and we started doing, I would say, more intermingled stuff like what you're saying. We, we were able to interview the bacterial people again and get a little bit more into it. But I don't know, for a couple of years, we were definitely in the weeds with it. When did you feel more comfortable kind of relaxing? Would you say like um, 2021? I think, yeah, about a year into it, it was a bit easier. And also we got into the routine of it and you know, editing the shows and just teeing them up and just knowing instinctively when to split an episode when we're talking to someone. And, yeah, and we're very good now at scheduling stuff, particularly you, you know, at yeah. teeing them up. So actually we've recorded, I think, 108 episodes uh, <laughs> and we'd have space for the 100th episode, you know, while we would be here. So we are actually quite organized, unexpectedly. Yeah, that's actually been pretty nice. Just teeing up like four episodes at a time, six episodes, and then editing them. You've been very, both of you actually, but but especially recently, Andrew, like very helpful in, in editing them. Thank you so much. Now there's a caveat there because I will, I recently have switched to uh, playback of a 1.5 speed on the <gasps> podcast episodes with Descript. And it, you get through them quicker, but yeah, at the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, is there some bad edits in there, you know, that I've missed? Hopefully I've gotten more. <laughs> well, when I edit, I'm so slow. I think I take about three hours per episode or something. Mm, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Well, <laughs> it's a bit of fun. So here we are a year later. 2022 passed by. We started getting more into the routine and everything. We're in 2023 now. What's today's day? Jan- January 19th. And and here we are at 100 episodes. You said we have 118 queued up, right? We have 108 recorded <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and they're ready to go, like. Yeah, very nice. Start. So we've talked about the past. Now let's get a little bit into the future, I guess. And one special thing we can do in this podcast is is kind of predict what might happen in the next five years. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen next? Let's, it's start of a new year. We've done this milestone. What what may we be talking about in in? the next hundred episodes and beyond, you know, that's, that's, that's sort of what I pitched as, as our discussion point. And uh, hopefully we get something right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys had a, a few different um, ideas for what, what might come to be in five years. Do you want to go first? Uh, I'll start off with something easy. Genomics is a thing. We're going to use more genomics. Yeah. <laughs> Great, Actually, we all have jobs. We all have, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so what? that's an easy one. I don't think that's controversial. So are you saying can, it continues, or are you saying the prediction is that genomics is more pervasive? I think it's going, to, genomics is becoming trivial, commonplace. Uh, I've been surprised during the pandemic, and this year going to different meetings, uh, seeing that there's more and more off-the-shelf uh, commercial 
products that are just giving you put in reads and you get all of the basic bioinformatics output that would would have taken us some time to do a few years ago it was like a academic process to do now it's like snap snap all automated pipelines all the softwares containerized like all, all of that control that wasn't there before you don't have to install things yourself kind of thing like we've we've shifted to making a lot of these processes trivial so uh and that's happened very very quickly i think covid has accelerated that because there's now a lot of interest in genomics uh, so for me that's is it going to be more pervasive i don't know do you think it's going to be in uh, every doctor's surgery that's the thing so that that's that's my thing i think it's i don't think it is i don't think it is going to be i think you can find some of these field i think it's the field bioinformatics papers where the you know out nanopore sized sequences or very cheap machines you'd have one in every lab one in every gp surgery i don't think that that's going to happen in the next five years one in every hospital maybe every rural hospital not rural i so we, we're going to argue this so my my position is <laughs> i think we're not at the point the technology is there but the expertise we haven't stood up the expertise to be able to deploy this into a uh in, into a front line like or, or rural or, or, re, or, very, or very much like smaller lab it's going to have to go samples are still going to be collected and sent to some sort of regional lab well you do so have regional teaching hospitals uh like in rich countries now do have sequencing as a pretty standard thing yep but what we don't then have is the trickle down because you need so many people and so many bits and pieces, you know, to make it work. Yeah, exactly. So I see that mm. I just I see that you can send them in iron and the laptop or the you can send the MySeq to anywhere in the world. Hopefully the reagents come along with it. Um, <laughs> but but transporting the Binfi experience and the lab experience in particular, that's not quite there yet for me. I don't see that in five years we're going to have that. But you guys will disagree with me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, what I'd love to see is, you know, you go into your doctor and uh, before they prescribe antibiotics, they they'll take out their phone with a little sequencer attached. They'll do a little test. Ten minutes later, it'll say, "Oh yeah, well, I know you have TB, and you're what you know, all these drugs won't work on you, but this drug over here will, you know, and maybe we'll start with that, and maybe from now on, you know, or from then on." all antibiotics would be prescribed based on what will actually work rather than what they kind of think maybe might work. Yeah, it's funny you bring up TB. So this is this is the thing. So something like TB, I think that process may happen and that may and that will become trivial, common. But will we do that for every pathogen? Probably not. Like TB is special because TB is a, is a slow grower, difficult. <laughs> like So your classic microbiology struggles. So then the genomics really is a, a cost-saving, uh, an effort-saving measure there. But where it's simpler, where the, you know, if it ain't, basically, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Like, if you've already got existing um, pathological, like, diagnostic tests, you're just going to keep using them. But, but I'm I'm a cynic. But then, <laughs> do we need, you know, if it's not going to change treatment decisions, do we even need to do the tests in the first place, you know? Oh, well, that's that's, <laughs> I mean... a, that's a sad lesson I've learned from covid that, yeah, learning, you know, oh, we can tell you what the variant is, or we can tell you what the lineage is like, yeah, but the but the public health advice doesn't change. So who cares? Uh, you know, that that's, I don't know, maybe I've had a bad experience, but being very negative <laughs> future prediction. Yeah. But this is, uh, that, that, that for me is the thing, like, what's the intervention on the back of that? I guess you can see it in useful in certain settings, like, say, care homes or in hospitals where there's outbreaks, or you think there's outbreaks in the you want to see, is this just random, you know, like community introductions? Is it something in the water? Is it, you know, patient to patient, you know, like uh, where you can actually make a change and have a positive out outcome? On, I, on I, I can see that in, in, in large hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. Like definitely in large, large hospitals where you have wards with lots of people. If it's a small rural hospital, there's only one person with Gano. Yeah. It's only one person with Gano. Like, that's it. <laughs> That's the example. Uh, <laughs> oh, but then, well, gone on now. That's a problem. What if you do too much sequencing and then you figure out, oh, 
this person over here gave gun out to this person here. Then you're into all sorts of, uh, you know, challenging, uh, challenging things. Oh yeah, I don't want to get into all that. That's more your area anyway, Lydia. <laughs> on, as a as a as a Nicaea man, right? You oh yeah. Know. Anyway, <laughs> but let's um, should, uh, do we want to say more on 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 diagnostics? I mean, I would, that? I would expect there could within five years. It seems like a long time, so I feel like there could be some kind of innovations like. Uh, miniaturization of of some machine or stabilization of reagents and maybe more labs could possibly have machines lying around so maybe regional labs maybe maybe more than regional labs on the research side though i think that i would hope the big innovations will be on the read length and read quality side we can already see some of these things come along you know but if you get really long you know 100 100 k reads that are nearly perfect quality you know q30 that changes a lot of what we do, you know, and it, it opens up a lot more doors to what we can possibly do. It saves if we can get single read Q30 out of the box where we're basically not doing de novo assembly. We save a stupid amount of compute. Yeah. Stupid amount of compute, like just processing oodles of short reads is, is <laughs> a major computational bottleneck. I mean, if you take that out, you can do... You can do your MLST, your in silica serotype. You can even do a neighbor joining, you know, calls of snips, neighbor joining tree, whatever. You can do it on your freaking phone. But you can do it <laughs> on very low abundance pathogens as well. Which yeah. is uh you know, so you don't need culture. Yeah, it could it could play right into metagenomics. Yeah, it simplifies it so much. Longer reads would, would just make life so much easier. That would be incredible. That's a good prediction for five years. Yeah, so no more culture. Everything's metagenomics with perfect reads, uh, perfectly long, massive reads. Yeah, it, that's that's quite easy. So, although so, I, I will say that doesn't some culture once in a while. Sure, let's not let's not throw the baby out with the bath. So the, <laughs> the microbiologists still have a job. It, no, classic microbiology, I think, is going to be really still be really really important. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to replace that stuff. Um, Hopefully we just we let's just keep our predictions then with the bioinformatics without without regard to how it affects everybody. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I guess things do need to change because people are sequencing more and more. So in five years' time, you know, we're gonna have probably triple or quadruple the amount of sequence data for bacteria. And our algorithms will need to change as well because you can't just keep going daily to NCBI and downloading all the all the reads again and again and again you know there's a limit to what you could actually do and what is useful so i think we may need different mathematics methods and different strategies to actually utilize publicly available data to contextualize uh, what we do i totally agree i think a lot of a lot of people come to me and outline a workflow of their study or you read it in a paper and it's this all against all exhaustive searching comparing genomes mm -hmm. and it's not tractable at scale you have to be a little bit more clever about it i think that's interesting so algorithms could change in the future the way that we deal with these could change in the future because everything is single read no longer you no longer have to worry too much about a consensus well we've seen that with the covid data we've seen that with like let's take phylogenetics i mean they were generating million tip trees which is absurd, right? Yeah, that's absurd. Like, like, yeah. like 2018, that was insane. That was insane. I mean, okay, it's a very small genome, not much variation, whatever. But just, but anyway, that that's 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 absurd. Aligning those sequences, that's absurd, you know. And it, it's possible. Uh, the some of the work where the where incremental trees, where you're building a tree and then adding incrementally to it, that that was a problem. That was an unsolved problem. That that we've seen come through with with COVID research. So. Hopefully that proliferates into into other organisms. Um, those methods may not strictly be out of the box transferable; may need some tweaks. But I think I'm I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see scaling up that we did for COVID for SARS-CoV-2 transferred to other organisms. Yeah. So speaking of that, there are probably innovations that draw from our experience with SARS-CoV-2 that probably can be expanded to other things in the future too, huh? Yeah, and I think bioinformatics is a big issue because how do people analyze data and then interpret data and all of that? You know, fine, there's a lot of out-of-the-box pipelines you can install and run 
But then how do you interpret the data at the other end? We can't just employ an army of bioptimists everywhere to analyze all of this data and interpret it, you know, because it does require interpretation and, you know, someone there with their big brain saying, well, th this doesn't look real, you know, is this really an outbreak or is this contamination because we've used two different labs to do the sequencing, you know, this kind of stuff. So we do need to have some, well, we, we need more bioinformaticians, so we need a lot of more training, but also we need some better ways of analyzing data. Interesting. Without a human. Yeah, it's not, it's just not feasible to sift through all of that anymore. Just GTP3. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do we want to mention that one? We were joking earlier that uh, that was great. I actually want to try this out. So the, the, the activity would be to start off a genome to, to give it like the first, what would you say, 100 or 1,000 base pairs of, of a read that's going through the nanopore and say, chat GPT-3, this is the first part of my genome. Tell me the rest of it. Yeah, so I think <laughs> we were we were having a discussion about another thing that, that we were coming back to what we were saying earlier, but increasing read length and read quality on different uh, sequencing platforms. And we were saying, well, you know, why even bother having these new machines do it when we can just take the first 150 base pair that you get out of the short read, shove that in the chat DPT and say like, oh, just just tell me the next couple of KB or just give me the rest of the whole freaking genome based off that. And it should just impute it for you. My fear would be everything would just be K-12. Yeah. Everything's 5X. <laughs> oh, 5X, yeah, jeez. Or SARS-CoV-2. Everything's SARS-CoV-2, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so contaminated. What if it predicts like a new lineage based off of what you do? Yeah, <laughs> some sort of Deltacron nonsense. I'm very curious if someone can tell us whether SARS-CoV-2 is the most sequenced thingy. Oh, yeah, it is, uh, definitely. Versus, say, 5X or, or anything else. Oh, that's... I don't know if you can determine that because I think in terms of data, in in terms of number of samples, right? Because FIX obviously it's usually the same thing being sequenced over and over again. Yeah, same strain versus uh, SARS-CoV-2, which is obviously different strains. It's tens of millions now. I don't know what the exact number is. Too many. Too many. Anyway, yeah. Back to predictions, I guess. Um, Anything else on post? Uh, so, so like sequencing and covid stuff yeah so things. so one more outcome i would say is um something i'm very excited about personally being at cdc is we have the wastewater system and they have to sequence wastewater to see what um pathogens have made their way through bodies <laughs> into the sewage and see what's going around in the community but that's kind of hampered by you know just having short reads or you know, it takes a while to sequence. I would predict that sequencing gets better if we get Q30, you know, maybe that would, that would make it easier to do all the wastewater. My understanding is that uh, the DNA in the wastewater gets very degraded and so you've got very short fragments and the challenge with wastewater sequencing is that it's very short pieces that you have to work with. You don't get out big, huge, mm. long reads. But maybe improved methods, you know, might change all that. I didn't know that, but um, that makes sense. But also if if it's, you know, even if it's a majority that get fragmented, maybe, for example, with, what do you call it with a nanopore when you can just, you can reject reads that don't look great? Adaptive sequencing. Adaptive sequencing. Maybe adaptive yeah, yeah. sequencing, you reject the reads that are too short and you go on to long reads or you, you sell oh, it for yeah. long reads. Well, uh, what we do actually at the moment is we put all the fragments into a sage elf. Uh, which uh, divides up the fragments into different uh, different lengths, and then we can just chop out which fraction we want. Mm -hmm. And so we could chop out all the, all the really short bits to enrich for longer. Okay. Yeah, selecting Very based good. on size before sequencing <laughs> is... yeah Size selection. Size selection, yeah. really, size really selection. key how well you can do that uh, would, would definitely help. I'll underline, because we all know what wastewater surveillance is trying to do. But mm -hmm. I'll point out one thing that's really important that, that people might not realize is the wastewater surveillance is super useful because you are it's a it's intrinsically a pooled anonymized sample. You know, you're taking it from sewage, which is served by whatever thousands of homes or it's or it's, or it's you know, a district's worth of things. So, so it cannot be uh, brought back to a single person. And that's really, really important. So that makes it much, much easier to to get as a sample. 
the the other fun part is um and you can use there are other ways of 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 looking at at water, wastewater and and then predicting like what the populate what what you know the number of people you're actually surveying at that time so you can sort of calibrate the prevalence of what you're actually seeing in the sequencing but that's like a, a super important um reason why we want to do it it's also that you're sort of using you know one man's trash is another man's sequencing project because <laughs> yeah. it's, <We're> stuff, the trash. <laughs> it's just it's just stuff that's being produced anyway that you're pulling off you're not asking uh you know you're not asking you're not pestering medics who are very very busy to then go and do other sampling uh for you i wonder uh with wastewater would it be possible in the future to look at like the amr genes circulating within a region and then decide well actually these antibiotics probably are not going to work on this population and maybe we should switch to these other ones which are more likely to work you could yeah you could say that i would like to do that yeah it'd yeah. be very nice it would help out with recommendations from cdc or elsewhere but it might be different recommendations for each city yeah which would be kind of scary and and hard to to keep track of actually i think on that though i would caution against using just the straight up uh measurements of antimicrobial genes you detect it's not it's not clear to me uh how you differentiate the that sort of measurement against you know what's anthropogenic versus what's just circulating because you are going to have because you know any we go out and pick up some dirt we're going to find super antibiotic resistant microbes in the soil like they're just yeah. there so how do you differentiate those towards what's you know what's a uh, uh antibiotic stewardship um what's being done in that space like that that's sort of for me um a danger point where we're just looking at amr genes directly like that it's dangerous because also i'm not an amr person i wish that we got somebody for that today but um i'm recalling that that some genes just don't confer resistance based on which species they're oh doing. man and that's another fun point as well yeah so but in i mean we're not disagreeing with you i mean i totally yeah. think that's that's a useful thing but there's a lot of good science to be done uh, around that as well which will keep us very busy i guess another thing another prediction will be for the next five years would be that the amount of storage space we need is gonna we're gonna have to tackle that in some way because we can't just keep buying more and more and more hard disks and we're gonna have to have more efficient methods for storing data and uh for sequence data and potentially we might have to throw away data what do you think would you throw away something and resequence sure why not that would kill me but but maybe my feelings would change in the next five years we are well, let me put it this way. You throw away your trashy Illumina GA2 stuff that you did eight years ago, right? Like like 80 base bits stuff. Yes, 36 base bits. Or even older stuff. And then you get, um, then you when you resequence it, you're going to get some nice, tasty, you know, uh, 300 base pair reads. But what if it gives different results? Oh, well, then you're, 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 up, you're up a creek, mate. So I guess you <laughs> yeah. have to compare before you delete yeah compare before you delete so um you know hash <laughs> hash it hash the yeah. consensus and see is it the same <laughs> we we had actually i mean i can i can look at this with the haiti cholera genome that was sequenced so many different times with so many different ways we we sequenced that with 36 base pairs single end on a wow. whole high seek lane <laughs> wow and that's that's on NCBI. And then um, later on, when we got paired end reads on on the MySeq, we sequenced that again, and we sequenced it again, um, maybe a couple of times. And then uh, and the, you know all the long read companies weighed in on on that also. So we have Pack yeah. Bio out there and whatever else. Sounds like uh, with CT18 and the Sanger Institute and those sequenced as a technology but technology validation. Uh, sample you know for everything you know one for every platform every iteration every change in chemistry ct18 yeah. is a yeah it's typey is it typey uh, salmonella typey yeah sorry <laughs> no, no, typey yeah sorry uh, if yeah. you're playing at home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was original salmonella typey that was sequenced um so the first reference the og typey yeah but what we found actually was that uh, a lost fragella had been passaged so many times that it lost a 20 kb uh. region which is a problem. Yes. Interesting. So 
I like this idea, um, going back to, <laughs> this is a good tangent, but still going back to it, it could be kind of fun to just like to know that your consensus sequence on better chemistry takes less space. You can get rid of the old 36 base pair high seek reads, toss that out. That would feel good to free up that well, space. I'm just making the point that it's not, uh, if you've got, if, if Andrew's saying like to save storage space, you throw the sequencing data away to resequence it later, you're hopefully not, you're hopefully going to hit a better platform. You might get more bang for your buck kind yeah. of thing. That's an incentive just so that, so that you don't like clutch onto it. No, 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 let it go. You'll get something better back next time. But we're, yeah. we're nearing a point where like hard disk prices come down about 20% a year for terabyte or gigabyte. Uh, but the price reduction in, in sequencing per base is going down much faster. So like it's faster than Moore's law. So we are going to hit a point where it's going to be cheaper to resequence than it will be to store. And that's going to come quite soon. Wow. I like that prediction. I would love to see. I think we should make a plot of it. Ooh. We should plot that. We, we should plot. We, we should, need a data scientist. We need a data. Get in touch. We need a data scientist to help us plot it. We'll put it in a review and we can call it, you know, Pages Law of diminishing returns or something i don't know pages law <laughs> pages law of diminishing returns no no, no no i think we can have the micro binfield law, micro binfield Ooh, law. Yeah. <laughs> uh personalized medicine coming out of genomics i mean do you oh, want to add anything to that yeah i mean could you just imagine you walk into your doctor surgery again and they well i don't know you've got you're riddled with pathogens right and then they can give you exactly the right uh, care you need to get you uh, well and safe, you know, much quicker. I'll, I'll go one step further and say not only the pathogens that they sequence, but actually the com your microbiome based off the yeah. community that you're carrying. Uh, they can make different uh, recommendations oh, uh, wow. or, or they could say something about, you know, different prognosis, like like based off that. I mean, oh, and then maybe they've got a fridge of yogurts and they'll just pull out one and say, here you go. This one will uh, make you skinny. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like we're starting to get into the homeopathy. Sort of I like thing. this future. So with science. With science. With science. Yeah. I like this future. So, so that ties in with how microbiomes can be tied in with your body type. Yeah, yeah, why not? Because if the sequencing is so easy and cheap, why not just have that on, on file? Uh, at the same time yeah maybe they when they sequence you they find oh you know you're missing this particular lineage of this particular book which we know does this thing mm -hmm. maybe i don't know helps you digest gluten or something like that and uh yeah they just give you some supplement and maybe it's not yogurt maybe it's uh you know uh, suppositories and something like that. um <laughs> depending on where it needs to get to but you know it could be quite routine or athletes, you know, if you're like a runner, uh, maybe. Are, are we going to have a doping scandal? Except it's basically around fecal. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you get you get Lance Armstrong sample, and then you win the Tour de France. You send up your poo, and then yeah, they dope your microbiome. You dope your microbiome. <laughs> microbiome doping. I'm going, that that's one of our predictions. We like it. In the next five <laughs> years. In the next five years. There's going to be a case in, in the tabloids about microbiome doping. You're going to fail your lactose test. The amount of money people spend on trainers, which give you that 1% edge, you know, uh, for a marathon, say, like people will pay good money, you know, to get that tiny little edge, you know, even if it means posting off your poo. <laughs> I think that sounds like a spin off right there. I think we should stop talking about it and actually get some, it's gonna come get in a Wheaties some, box. Get some seed funding around this. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so if anyone wants to come in on our business idea uh we will take a, a nice share and you can do all the hard work uh, definitely but but beyond that i think <laughs> we we should see more uh personalized medicine based on microbiome i think for kids it might be for infants it might be very very useful looking at that um and uh kids and the elderly would would probably benefit from that so kids would be i agree with you but then also i don't know sort of besides the point but also really is realistic that you have a lot of scared parents who may not want to or may want to oh uh, i um i i'm not a 
father, so I, I can't. I, I don't know about the the social implications of it, but I mean, in terms of the science, I see that that that's that could be a thing. Great. Well, will we tell our kids go out and eat more poo and eat more soil and you know? Oh yeah. No. Why? Why? <laughs> no. Why? Why bother? What? What? We're, what we're going to do is we're going to sequence the soil. And we're going to sequence the poo, and we're going to get out the organisms that are beneficial, and we're going to say eat this highly processed, uh, awful Ooh. product. Instead, <laughs> I just had a thought there, right? At the moment, if you walk out your backyard and you do some sequencing, long range sequencing, you're going to find novel species, probably novel genus, right? Yeah. No matter where you go, you'll find them. But in five years' time, will it be slim pickings? Will people have gone out and basically sequenced most of the diversity out there? Huh. I. And then will we've run out of names? You know, we've named everything, and now it's like, oh well, you know. It's... Well, it. uh, it's difficult to predict how much we don't know so so but, could, so so it could be like an activity like in in a high school to, to take the science class out to the side and, and do some sequencing on a soil sample and then submit it to ncbi yeah because they've named they found a new, new species each and uh now they all name them after themselves i think they do this for phages already oh there is a pro hmm. i i don't oh man i'm gonna get into trouble some phage people are gonna jump on me about it oh, no there is there is a program where, yeah, you go out and isolate new phages. If you find a new one, you can name it. And so some some viruses out there have very stupid names. Because oh, <laughs> nice. a person just picked, <laughs> you know, uh, John Lou Picard virus. <laughs> just random names. Um, but yeah, you might see that more widely uh, going out and just naming, looking at the diversity of life. So cool. Um. What else is coming up? I mean, I think an obvious thing is data dashboards. That's the new hotness. Everyone loves data dashboards. Yeah. That's that's the new um, a read mapper. When we were doing things, as everyone had to have write their own read mapper. I think now it's going to be every everyone, every bioinformatician needs to have their own data dashboard that they've developed. I'm, I'm disappointed there. There's been no real, you know, read mappers have kind of plateaued and it's like, you know, no one has really advanced on Hangley's, you know, Minimap 2. People just said, yeah, that's grand. Stick with that. I'm sure there's orders coming out. Same with assemblers, you know, there was a, a period where there's a new assembler every week. But now people are like, yeah, we're happy with, I know, shovel or, or spade, skis or whatever, you know, it's... Mm -hmm. We need more disruptive science. I don't know. We'll There's no see. no more disruptive science ever. I read an article on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll put a link to that article in the show notes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no data dashboards. I'm gonna. I'm. I am thinking we're going to see a lot of data dashboards. We're going to see a lot of R shiny stuff coming out. We're going to see a lot more. Um... So, so do you do you do you predict that it's going to be like every time like you see you look over someone's shoulder like that person has their own custom dashboard for themselves or that they've like or are you kind of also saying like someone makes their own dashboard and they're gonna there's gonna be like a new one in joss every week no no i mean i, mean, I just mean yeah i mean the former more i'm just saying i'm just thinking because we're operating at scale you are going to have more data aggregation and then visualization of that uh these dashboards that just show these trends over time uh, breakdowns of I don't know sequence whatever you want uh, that's going to be something that people are going to be more uh, interested in because you have enough data to do it uh, you didn't the old days is like you had a genome mm -hmm. okay <laughs> um, there's, not, there's nothing to aggregate there yeah exactly I wonder will we still be doing a short read sequencing in five years time that no, no, we're know. going to no, no. Okay, we we are going to be we're going we are going to be doing short read sequencing, but we're going to do what we've always done and shift the goalposts. So when I started, short mm -hmm. read sequencing was solid. And that was thirty base pairs. Oh no, okay. right? Like that was short read. No, thirty five base pairs. Selects like, select, was thirty. Oh, first right. first selects was thirty five, right? First iteration of it. That was short, and then long was the four five four. I don't know if you can remember the read length of 454 at that time when the, because I'm going to mix the numbers up. Early on, it was like 200 going on to yeah. 400. Yeah. And then you had, and then you had, um, you know, your Sanger was obviously your 800 ish mm -hmm. point. So then that's your short, medium, long. And so what have we done? We've just increased the number. So now short is, is 300. <laughs> 300 is not short. Yeah, 300 yeah, yeah. is pretty good. <laughs> this, this sounds right. I agree. So putting it to 300. 
So short read, so I agree, we're going to change, we're not going to see short read, we're not going to see 150 base pairs, but we're going to see short read becoming uh, 2KB. <laughs> that's a short read, <laughs> you know, or, or maybe eight, maybe, maybe uh, that's ambitious, but screw it, fine, so I could, you know. <laughs> I could see that because, you know, especially with government, it's like you've, you've bought the machine, you're not going to just replace it every year just because your venture capitalists tell you to or something. You have the machine. I can totally see that the reagents change and help you get longer and longer reads on that. The goalposts change, like like you said. Yeah, you're going to edge forward a bit more, but uh, so sh your short read is going to become long. But then what's read your long read going to become? It, the whole chromosome. Nice. nice. Right? Yeah, I, I, I want stuff, yeah. The whole chromosome or half a chromosome or just should just fall out, right? I mean, that's that's the dream. That's the goal. That's What have you been doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? We kind of started with with that idea of Q30 chromosome long reads, and we went full circle. Maybe, yeah. Do Maybe we do it's it? Q50. You know, like we we can push to bar bar it a bit. Q50. <laughs> well, like if you yeah. look at Pack Bio and uh, their their kind of chemistry where they go around and around and a consensus, you know, and you might go around the same fragment ten times. And it builds consensus on a single read. You know, maybe we might have some of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So not only a five megabase read, but you read around the chromosome five times for a twenty-five. Yeah, and the megabase read. That's yeah, nice. I mean, that basically removes your genome assembly step. Yeah. So you sequence it, and the the genome just falls out. I love that. Then you gotta. Then you gotta think. Then you actually have. But then. But then the best part is of that though is that people can't hide behind oh well I was assembling genomes they actually have to do some biology then <laughs> they have to actually think about what what's encoded on that genome what about the structure of that genome what about you know gene loss gene gain and they actually have to go back to thinking about some genetics actually I'll put a prediction out there that I'm not I'm not the originator of this prediction but when I was reading um, I I found this paper several months ago uh, a brief history of bioinformatics. And they made this point in the paper where it was people who do computation in chemistry, they're chemists. People who do computation in physics, they're physicists. People who do computation in biology, they're bioinformaticians. And the prediction was this is going to slowly merge together. And so if you're saying people have to actually focus on the biology, maybe, maybe the prediction in five years is that bioinformatics finally merges into biology well enough i, I think so because nah. it, no, I, i'm not seriously like like what the circa 2015 we had you how many seminars you went to and the whole thing was just the mechanics of picking out the best assembler the best algorithms yeah. how do you polish it how do you clean it up that is completely devoid of of i mean the organism you're worrying about gcat like content you're sort of worrying about like codon bias for that mm -hmm. but the actual content of that genome was irrelevant um and if you take that step out and the thing just falls out of the sequencer anyway then what are you going to have in the seminars you're going to have to talk about something else <laughs> yeah all right we're on the opposite sides we're or different areas here so you're, so you're saying andrew no, no way and nabil you're agreeing absolutely <laughs> there we go so we we can't be wrong though we take both positions <laughs> Yay, we predicted it. <laughs> um, how are we going for time? Let's call it. And I have a quiz for you. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> I have a quiz for you. So originally I was thinking of bringing in a mystery person. You have to guess who the mystery person is. I won't do that. No. But then, you know, you guys get me to mispronounce your city all the time on every single podcast episode, which I now know is pronounced Norwich. Well um, Thank you. <laughs> maybe we'll keep that up on the intro anyway just for fun yeah uh but now that you are in atlanta why don't i give you a quiz on how to pronounce the cities oh in no georgia oh we're off our... that's gonna be hard oh so he's got he he's definitely got the home side advantage here <laughs> we're in a lot of trouble now all right Juan, give it to us all right let's get this over with so I just said a city name that started with an A that we are in, that you're visiting. How does a native pronounce it? Atlanta. Atlanta. There you go. So you have to swallow that letter. Atlanta. 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 <laughs> where, where is this place? Is it decab? 
Oh, that's the DeCab is the county. Is that pronounced correctly? DeCab. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay, that doesn't seem too bad. Not and too obviously, bad. we can say Decatur. We, yep. we ignore what it actually is written as and uh, say Decatur. <laughs> that's right. Say Decatur. Decatur. All right, so. We had that on a previous episode yeah. going on about Decatur. Oh, we did. Um, I don't know if you have this kind of onion in the grocery stores. You know that if you get a sparkling wine, then you get champagne if it's right from the right region. Yes. Okay. Do you know that we have a certain region in Georgia where you get onions? Really? Onions? Yes. Really? You have a specific okay. onion? And if you don't get it from this region, then it's called a yellow onion. Okay. Okay. If you do get it from this region, I'll see if I can write down... But same physical onion or same species or whatever. It probably is. Right. People say it tastes sweeter. So you don't know this word yet, do you? Maybe you no. don't have it. We're not. Oh. What the hell? Oh, I know this word. It's from a cartoon. I don't. Vidalia. I don't have this. Vidalia. Vidalia. Okay. This, this, and this is the name of a city where they grow this onion. Oh. Okay, so the way to pronounce it... You're going to say Vidalia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vidalia. Vidalia. Nah. It's for, Eng- for, for, English, for British speakers, it's Vidalia. So, <laughs> and, and this is just like champagne. If you get this onion from this region, then you can call it that. Okay. And it's the name of the town. That's mad. All right, I'm going to find at least one more off of this I'm, YouTube I'm curious video. now. I want to taste this protected onion. <laughs> Yeah, bring one if you're allowed to. Bring one to because uh, we're looking straight at a picture of it. And it it looks just like an onion. It is an onion. It, I mean, like it, like unremarkable onion. Okay, I'm gonna give you one more town that was famous for a gold rush in the 1800s. I've been there several times. What is that word? Oh god! So like Roldal, Dalwanga, Dalwanga. <laughs> well Dalam- maybe you're maybe you're misreading an L for an I there. So here it is on the board here. No, it's Dal. Like is, that is a, it an, an I? L or an I? That's an that's an L. So it's like Dal. Roll yeah, Dal. Roll Dal. Dal Wunga. Dalanega. <laughs> Dalanega. Crap. <laughs> Dalanega. Wow. Uh, Dalanega. It's spelled it's spelled D A L D A H. L O N E G A. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Delonega. Delonega. Maybe another, maybe more micro binfi uh, type quiz could be pronouncing server names for Salmonella. You don't have any more strange local words for us to pronounce? I think I'll stop there. It I doesn't have... have to be towns. It can just be like words. All right. All right. And you say y'all. They do say y'all. We here. do say y'all. I say y'all, actually. I've adopted yeah. it. I like y'all <laughs> because uh, English doesn't have a collective. <laughs> like I bet you would say use or yizzards. Use. You use do? Use guys. I, Very Dublin. I've been okay. saying yizzards. Yizzards. Sounds yizzards. like a part of a gizzards. That's a gizzard. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> um. Well, no, what, I, what about, uh, I don't know, what's this stuff around here that we can't pronounce? Well, you got DeKalb down. That's the big one. What's the name of the... Can I Google Maps? I know. What's the name of the street? What's that one? Pon, pon, Poncieri? Pon, Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon. <laughs> and then uh, there's one more that we that we had fun with before today. Um, on the way over to CDC, we're passing by the Emory campus. The Emory campus has about four or five buildings named. Okay, so I, can I spell it out? No, you spell out the, the, the word. That I feel you're saying what I think you're saying. R O L N I N S. R O R O L L Double L. Double L. I N S. I N S. Well, first of all, it's not R, it's or. Really? Well, as in or. in Ireland would say or. Or in the UK to say R or ah. Or. So that's uh yeah. So so everyone um listening in, just think well, how you'd pronounce that word. It's uh, Romeo, Oscar, Lima, Lima, India, November, Sierra. 
Very good. <laughs> Try that out in your head. Out. What does that pronounce? They don't uh, say sarin anymore. They say sugar. Oh, really? They say sugar. Yeah. Uh, I'd say well, Rollins. Correct. <laughs> Let's see. I'd say Rollins. I'd say. I mean, yeah. I would normally yeah. say Rollins. Yeah. All right. I I can I can cap it there. I just knew I was gonna have a little bit of fun, <laughs> but I don't I don't need to put you too much more on the spot. Well, thank you very much for hosting us for your, the 100th episode. It's been great, you know. All all the episodes have been great, you know. Uh, and this is a very special one, you know. We've gotten this far. I never expected us to get to 100. Never. I thought I definitely thought I was going to fizzle out. Uh, it's been it's been pretty awesome with you guys. Yeah. No, I I thought we'd do like 10, <laughs> and then we'd never. You'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that was good. Let's do it again. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm free there, so I'm not free. Okay, and we'd never get the calendars to sync up again. And it'd just be like, oh, okay, yeah, uh, it's been too long. I'll forget about it. But yeah. no, we, we kept going. I don't know. And we haven't run out of ideas yet either. No, no. it's weird. We have a whole weird. spreadsheet of ideas. Too. There's more ideas. It's, it's actually, yeah, there's just more and more to talk about. There's There's a few subjects that have been back in my mind we still haven't got to yet. Oh yeah, we need to do more metagenomics, I think, and uh, that kind of area. Absolutely, metagenomics. The MLST and SNP showdown has to happen still. Yep, yep. Been meaning to to put those head to head. Um, tons of stuff coming down, coming. Yeah, looking forward to it, and I hope everyone listening is has enjoyed the journey with us and is looking forward to new content as well. Well. This has been the Micro Benfi podcast coming from Lee's basement. Party on, Wayne. <laughs> Party on, Goth. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> Glad you got it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to us at home. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the platform of your choice. Follow us on Twitter at microbinfi. And if you don't like this podcast, please don't do anything. This podcast was recorded by the Microbial Bioinformatics Group. The opinions expressed here are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of CDC or the Quadrum Institute. Oof. I'm going to get into trouble about the phage comment. Oh, sorry. Oh, they're going to get me. They're going to add us. <laughs> they're going to add us. They're going to add me. Um, uh, if you do know the program, just let me know. Ha, ha, ha.